Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wiccan Wanderers Show. A uh, bit of a different one for you this week. Uh, Bob, literally in a plane uh, somewhere across the Atlantic, I imagine, currently uh, heading towards uh, the United States. More on that on future episodes of the show. Uh, but we've got on an emergency loan signing uh, Wiccan Wanderers head of audio and broadcast club commentator and host of the Ringing the Blues podcast. These are all the same person, by the way. Uh, Phil's with us. Hello, sir. Good evening. Uh, an emergency note. Am I a bit like a goalkeeper? Yeah. <laughs> for seven days. Exactly, yeah. And a really big shirt that you're not used to wearing quite so much. And it's got an unusual number on the back, like 77 or something. Perfect. That's exactly the number I would have as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, still to come in this hour, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth. Uh, also, we'll be uh, previewing, of course, the game against Accrington Stanley. We'll chat to Peter Lerner from the Wickham Wanderers Disabled Supporters Association and with our regular look at uh, what's going on uh, in terms of uh, a former uh, star of the Blues uh, or a chat with Wickham Wanderers ex-players association member Darren Curry really looking forward to uh, hearing from him but first of course uh, rather concerning I guess news that it's now six League One games without a win two games since we last spoke uh, the first of those of course being that five all draw uh, at home to Cheltenham on Saturday uh, and Phil obviously going going two goals ahead twice uh, it must have looked quite good on, on, on several occasions at the game yeah it's um you know, a point really did feel like a loss for Wickham on Saturday because, like you say, to be three one up at half time and then five three up um, with about twenty minutes to go uh, at home as well against a side that was seventeenth in the table, um, it really should have been three points. Um, tricky game in terms of the conditions, but obviously it's the same for both sides. Um, and also in, in Alfie May, Cheltenham had a striker there who just had one of those brilliant days where. You know, I think if you bought a lottery ticket on the way home, I think he would have won that as well. Um, but he had a, it was a phenomenal performance by him. Um, not a day for defenders, it must be said as well, for both teams. Um, but if you're a neutral, what a game. But from a Wickham point of view, very disappointing indeed. I was going to say, there seem to be so many different aspects to it. There's obviously scoring five goals, which is, is great to see at home. But then, as you say, you'd expect to win a game with that many goals. Well, that's the thing. It was Wickham had had 60 shots on target in the two games before the Cheltenham game against Shrewsbury and, and Lincoln City away and only scored once at that late equaliser at, at Sinsil Bank. And I was kind of thinking, well, you know, have they kind of gone a bit too gung-ho and thought, right, you know, let's go Keegan's Newcastle and get the goals in. And, you know, to a certain extent, they did. You know, five goals in a, in a game, three in the first half. The first time they've scored three goals in in the first half of the game since the playoff semi-final against Fleetwood season before last. Um, so, yeah, I did kind of think maybe the balance was a bit off. I'm not sure. Um, we Obviously, we speak to Gareth Ainsworth after every game and, and that was one of the questions I asked him. And here, he, here is me talking to Gareth after that Cheltenham game. Crazy game, you know. Crazy that we were two goals up twice and we've, we've drawn a game. Um, hugely disappointing uh, in that second half defensive display and that's not the defenders that's everybody the whole team you know we weren't good at all second half We've scored five goals and that's brilliant you know lads have done really well going forward I asked for that we worked on that um, but we've been so solid we've been so solid lately and uh, that I didn't see coming at all you know um, we were open at times we were thrashing at things not talking people, two people going for the same header people missing headers and it was just unrecognisable you know for such a solid outfit that we've been and somebody prides themselves on being solid we looked pretty open today and uh, that's got to be looked at in a big way for me because uh, disappointed you know you score five goals at home you expect to win a game 
Uh, was the pursuit of goals, was the, was the balance too far the other end then, is leaving those gaps? No, not at all. No, no, we, uh, we are um, a team that's played like this all season. We're, we're fifth in the league with the style we've played. And so I'll stand by that, I'll stand by the way we're playing. Just the lockout we got wrong today at times, you know, we didn't sustain pressure in that second half. All right, the win's in our face, but we had that last week and we really dominated that tie. Um, uh, gutted today, yeah, gutted for the boys because I've asked them to deliver. They they delivered going forward as um, an 18, but as an 18, we've uh, we've defended poorly today and that's uh, that's what we'll say. Uh, the wind has it played a factor today because the majority of the goals were scored uh, in the direction of the wind I'm not sure we can blame that Um, I think we've got to have a look at um, at ourselves you know look inside everyone and and everyone just have a good look to see if um, everything they did today was the correct thing because we've got plenty of work to do on the video I'm sure five without a win but still in the playoffs yeah uh, and that shows what a great start to the season we had Um, so I want to keep building keep pushing hard um and that's all we can do, you know. But um, it's uh, it's a crazy game, one I haven't been involved in for quite some years. Um, plenty of goals. I'm sure the fans go home pleased if you're a neutral. But um, as Wickham, you were very disappointed because you know leading by two goals twice in the game it never felt comfortable and we're going to have to look at that so really fantastic that as we say something that we really highlighted there was that the five goals that, he, uh, that were scored and and like you said you want that going forward but um, defensively obviously they had a bit to work on. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like most things, isn't it? You need the balance, right? And I think without Josh Scott, who was suspended as well, and, and Curtis Thompson, who was struggling with an injury, I mean, Daryl Hawkins is a fabulous player, but, you know, he's more of an offensive attacking sort of player, and he was in that sort of central midfield role. And I think, you know, a lot has been made, a lot of fans criticising the, the defence of that game. Yes, there were individual errors, but I think when you're set up open like that, then it's, it's always going to be a struggle, regardless of who's at the back as well. Um, the positive, as you say, is that we could got the five goals. Um, but yeah, I think plenty to work on uh, in terms of getting that balance right. But I guess, you know, it's a nice problem to have in the fact that they've scored the goals and they've just got to work out where that point is, where they can be safe and sound at the back and get the goals now. Although now it's six games without a win, I think anyone would now would take a scrappy 1-0. And it might well take that at Accrington because it's not an easy place to go. But um, yeah, it's a sticky run, but every team has a sticky run in the season at some point, even the ones at the very top. And obviously Anthony Stewart and Ryan Tafasoli have been missing of late, but it's been a great opportunity for the likes of Chris Verino to come in and kind of show what he can do as well. Well, this is the thing, um, you know, a lot has been made of the, the rotation, but I think Wickham Wanderers fans, it's quite an unusual sensation for them now, knowing that Wickham have got a squad. There's depth. I mean, there's, there's some good centre-backs and players that can play in a back three or a back four in the squad. And I don't think we're used to having such an abundance of choice. Um, you know, Stuart and Tafasoli were both sort of taken out of the starting lineup when Wickham um, lost two games in a row. The two games after that, it was a back three of Grimmer, uh, Farino and Jacobson and they let one goal in in those two games and looked very solid um, you know with a probably with a, a, a more of a defensive midfield shield in front of them uh, it was the same players that let the five in um, so yeah it's it's obviously that we're all hindsight masters aren't we after the game it's like why did we do this why did we do that um, but I think with the way we can have that squad and the choice it's looking back across the season Colin is that there's normally only one centre back on the bench because I think managers prefer to have the options uh, if they need a goal, if they need to kind of get back into a game. So it's only one defender that goes on the bench. So, 
you know, it's the balancing act now of keeping everybody happy, keeping the squad fresh, keeping the people out there that, that can get you the three points. And, and that's the job that Gareth has got to do now. And have we been victims of our own success, do you think? Are our expectations too high? You know, we think, think we should be winning every game. You know, there only seems to be really Rotherham that are doing that at the moment. Well, Rotherham are doing fantastically well, as are Wigan, as we saw on Tuesday night. But I think you're right. The expectation levels around Wigan Wanderers now are so much higher than what we're used to expecting. And I mean, I think that's a hugely positive thing as well. Don't get me wrong. But Wigan fans are expecting now to be in the top six. And and with justification as well, having come down from the championship with the money that was associated with that, uh, the chairman, Rob Kuhig, has said top six. And, you know, that's what he expects um, from this squad too and, and the manager, albeit there are much bigger clubs in, in this division with much more um, at their disposal as well. And this is a hugely competitive League One. So I think to be in the top six at the end of the season would be a fantastic achievement. But Wickham have been flying high. I mean, before this run came up, came about, they were top of the table. And I think that's what set the expectation up there and given fans the hope maybe of automatic promotion. And as we all know, Colin, in football, it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> Definitely. As supporters, do we need to maybe take a step back? And, and as you say, the club has been in, in and around the top six throughout the season, really. And at, and at one point, you know, in, in January, top of the table, as you say, and um, where, where we are and, the, and the, the clubs that we're sharing this 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 uh, section of the table with uh, are some some marquee names there yeah I think with, with fans I mean fans fans are you know they're all, like all of us everyone's different they've all got their different relationships with the clubs and, and what they expect from their teams and, and what they want to get out of it and you know I think some fans quite rightly would be feel disappointed with the six game run other fans maybe look at the bigger picture as well but you know everyone can think their own thing I mean that's absolutely fine but I think it's worth pointing out that we're on course for maybe the third highest ever position in Wickham's 134 or five-year history. Uh, and here we are sort of complaining about a six-game run in that, which shows you how far the club has come. So there's always two ways of looking at something. Some fans will always see the negatives and, and, and want to gripe and moan about it, which is absolutely fine. They spend their money. That's their choice. Other fans can see it the other way. There's no right way of doing it. Um, that's how it is. But, you know, the club will always expect them to be there and want them to be there at the end of the day too. So, yeah, it's um, it's a tough situation at the moment, but I think a win will make everybody feel a lot happier and hopefully start a long undefeated run towards the end of the season. Definitely. And from your chat with Gareth after the game against Cheltenham, it really felt like, you know, Tuesday night was, was a great opportunity for, you know, to put an improved, improved performance. And obviously, traditionally, Wickham do tend to, to really raise their game against the top teams as well. But uh, and for the first or 70 minutes, it looked like that was, that was going to be the case. But, but Wigan just proved a bit too tough. Yeah, it was a, you know, Wickham's first half performance, especially, he looked to be that sort of going back to the grinding out classic Wickham. And let's make no bones about this, Wigan Athletic are a really good side. They look to me to be sort of a, a mid-table championship side in terms of how they played in their personnel. They got players in there that, you know, that wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League. But James McLean was excellent on the left-hand side. You know, they've got some, they've got a good wage budget there, but they're using it very well indeed. They, they're a very well, well-drilled side. And I think will go up automatically with Rotherham uh, by the look of it. Um, so I don't think there was any great shame in losing to them. I think what was really heartbreaking was that Wickham had put in a great shift in the first half. It was a rear guard action in the second half and it was looking to be going to plan because Wigan was starting to get frustrated and then it was a, a, a poor goal to concede from a set piece. And looking back on it, it was a bit of a what-if moment because had Wickham been able to ride that out for another five or ten minutes, then he felt that maybe frustration may get the better of Wigan. 
when they got the equaliser, though, they really settled down and they looked really dangerous on the break. And it wasn't a surprise that they added two goals after that as well, although be it one of them again from a set piece and, and some more poor defending from the third. But they did look dangerous going forward. I think in isolation, the Wigan defeat is not a disaster. I think in context of the other games around it, then it adds more disappointment to, to the Cheltenham draw and maybe drawing away at Lincoln and, and home to Shrewsbury. It puts those results into, into more of a bleaker context. Um, because losing at home to Wigan, I don't think across the season is any great shame in that. Obviously, it would have been great to, to get something out of the game. Um, but what it really does do is is put pressure on Accrington away now because Wigan need to get a win on the board. Now they've dropped out of the top six as well. And one positive to come out of Tuesday, uh, first goal for Sully Kaikai. Yeah, he looked fantastic. He looked great against Cheltenham as well. He looked really dangerous, centrally placed. He, he's strong, he's quick, he wants to get forward. And two assists on Saturday would have done his confidence the world of good. And he looked to play a brimming with confidence on Tuesday night as well. And the layoff from Sam Vokes got the finish it deserved because it was a really good finish from outside the box. But the layoff was something special too. And it's really good to see because I think Sully could well be um, like a new signing for Wickham Wanderers. He's been here all season, but he's struggled for game time. And then he had his, uh, his uh, departure to the African Cup of Nations for a few weeks. But he, he, he's come back into a team that's struggling for results and therefore the rotations come in and, he, and he's grabbed his chance, which is what you've got to do in this squad. Um, and hopefully he can kick on and become a really important player because he played 36 times for Blackpool last season in a team that got promoted from League One. So he knows his division. He knows what it takes to get out of it. And if he can sort of get stuck in for Wickham Wanderers between now and the end of the season and keep those other players out of the team whilst doing so, then uh, that should bode well for the chair boys. And you mentioned Sam Vokes as well. He, he looks, he's looking like someone who could be really influential for the rest of the season. Yeah, double digits now at the number nine for Wickham Wanderers. So 10 goals from the season, um, playing well as well. And, and he got the captain's armband on Tuesday night against Wigan, which... I think was a big vote of confidence from the gaffer as well. Um, you know, he's a great pro, played at the top level uh, in the top two divisions for most of his career. And great to see him getting involved in that squad ethos here as well, the real tight spirit at Wickham Wanderers. Uh, and if he can kick on between now and the end of the season, and wouldn't it be marvellous if he could get himself over the 20 goal mark? Because I, I can't remember the last player that did that for Wickham. I think it was Stuart Bevan. That was a long time ago. Uh, if we can get a 20 goal uh, striker in a season, then if they can do that between now and the end of the season, then maybe they will make the playoffs and that would be brilliant. Um, but yeah, he's doing really, really well. And like I say, it's great to have him around the squad and in the team. And he's really leading from the front as one of the senior players now. Yes, yeah, so it was a tough game against Wigan. Like we said earlier on, they competed really well. After the game, I spoke to the Wigan manager, Gareth Ainsworth. We've played better teams, uh, worse teams, sorry, in the Championship last year than that. They're a good side, um, very good side. And, uh, they're a big club, Wigan, you know, with the history they've had. And, uh, and they've sorted themselves out with all their problems. And uh, they've got a good team together there, you know, the likes of uh, McLean and, and Keane and, and, you know, Ex, ex-Premier League players there and, uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not disappointed as much as I was Saturday about this game tonight you know we knew this was going to be tough we played really well first half you know and uh, I thought we held them at bay really well um, set pieces you know two set pieces really we have to defend those better and we've not been given any set pieces lately and uh, and it's almost like we, we gifted a couple of goals there for them um, they've put the deliveries in well but we've got to we've got to defend those better you know as a team um, and the third goal I'm disappointed at you know we'll pick the bonds out of that but no individual blame I, I do that privately um, we win and lose together and believe me we'll get back on track together no doubt you rung the changes at the back and the change of formation as well yep. uh, like you say it seemed to work in the first half but we 
Wigan just seem to go up a gear in that second. They're a good side, they really are. And like I say, you know, the 5-5 Saturday and then the 1-1 at Lincoln and the 0-0 here at Shrewsbury, they're the ones that hurt me. I asked for nine points out of those three games um, and the boys almost got me nine. Um, but almost isn't good enough. You know, we've got to make sure that we are ruthless and we, and we get what we need. Again, we've got a run of games coming up now that I'm going to demand that we, we get points out of because, you know, you're not playing your Wiggins, you're not playing your Rotherhams. We've got, um, we've got some decent teams that we can go up against and we know that on our day we can beat. Um, we've got to have our day. We've got to pick ourselves up, not feel sorry for anyone because nobody feels sorry for me. I'm ready to go again on Saturday. can't wait for it, actually. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to putting this side out against Accrington. It was a disrupted start and you know, the changes into the game, but then Ryan Tapazoli in the warm-up, uh, you lose him then. That must be very difficult to deal with. Yeah, you know, and, and that at the moment, we're, we're not getting the rub of the green. You know, we've had it at times. We're not getting it at the moment, but we've been in a lot worse places than this. This is uh, this is Wickham Wanderers, um, you know, playoffs of League One. It's uh, it's not a bad place to be after the uh, after the disappointments of years gone by. So um, we're still well in the race, and uh, and I've got, like I say, I've got a bunch of boys in there who want to start winning again. They want to dust themselves off. But, you know, I think we've only lost two or three more than the leaders this season. So you know, we are a good side, but we've got to start converting those uh, those draws into wins, like we did at the start of the season. You know, um, we we look very good at the start of the season just seem to have lost our way slightly but I'll get them back on track don't worry about that Six without a win and teams all over the place now at the top of the table doing results and going on bad and good runs as well <laughs> um, every team has their bad run I guess every team has their bad run you know if we get rid of ours now and we finish well then then everyone will forget about this you know it's uh, that's football really you know the next win um, I know that, that saying you're only as good as your last result I don't believe in that at all you know uh, we're only as good as 46 results and I'll let you know how that is at the end of the season uh, Dominic Gate back in the squad and then back on the pitch in the second half as well must have been a welcome sight it's real positive you know Dom's probably a player that can get the ball down find feet uh, find a good pass and uh, and he's going to be a welcome addition to us you know and uh, it's tough you know Daryl Horgan and um, JJ almost missing out at the start of the, the squad and that's 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 the rotations I've got now you know some fantastic players as well some of these youth young players coming through you know so um, the club's in a lot better shape than it ever has been it just doesn't feel like it right now um, but believe me we'll be back on track soon you know we've got to be ready for Accrington Saturday I think they've got beat by Doncaster tonight so the league is so tight anyone can beat anyone we need to start beating people I know that I'm not stupid ready to go again uh, no Curtis Thompson in the squad tonight is, is that a tactical or an injury? No Curtis is injured uh, I think people saw him hobble off at the end of the game on Saturday and I think he'll be out for, uh, for a couple of weeks we'll see um, but like I said Dominic Gay coming back in Lewis Wing did well you know, match fitness I think we need to um, get him back up to speed he's played a, a great deal of games lately and uh, a plethora of, of subs you know like your McCleary's your McCarthy's and just not getting on the pitch at the moment so uh, yeah we'll try and get the right combination soon working hard to do that um, also working hard on, on trying to break down Accrington Saturday and then you know like I say some winnable games coming up but then Rotherham here will be tough as well we'll have to see what we do there but um, not pleased as always proud of the boys and uh, positive as ever uh, really good to hear the manager's thoughts and, and as you know someone who's spoken to him many times his positivity really comes out as well yeah, you know, Gareth is very positive. He was quite angry after the Cheltenham game, but against Wigan, he was back to his usual kind of look. This is this is what we take from the game, and you know, I think they've got it written in the tunnel somewhere. As you know, we don't, you know, we either win or we uh, we draw and lose and learn basically. And I think you know, lessons to be learned from the Wigan game as well, and, and stuff to take into that trip to Accrington. Never an easy place to go, Accrington, especially this time of year. 
Although I am looking forward to seeing the ground improvements they've made because I know they've got new dressing rooms for the players, uh, which were long overdue. But I've seen lots of building work going on around the little stadium there too. And it's a great club and they're kindred spirits of Wickham Wanderers. So I'm looking forward to a warm welcome off the pitch. And I know the players will have a tough game on it. Um, but it's a tough game, tough place to go to at the best of times. I think it's a really tough place to go uh, on a run of six games without a win. Because we had them at home, obviously, first game of the season, uh, 2-1 win. Uh, Gareth McCleary gave them two goals, but they've, uh, they've lost their last two, 2-0. So I guess that, that bodes well if, if we're looking for Omen. Yeah, that, that is a good sign. Although John, Car- John Coleman is, you know, he's fiercely competitive and he's been there a long time as well. I think uh, I, I just heard in, the, in his press thing before I spoke to you, Colin, that uh, he likened um, Gareth Ainsworth to the, the, the Ken Barlow of Wickham Wanderers, I think he called him. Uh, I think in a nod to his longevity <laughs> at the chairboys, uh, with the chairboys, which is quite an interesting line. I'm not sure what side character John Coleman is, but um, we'll have to find that one out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be hard up there. Um, but I think Accrington pretty much sum up League One in the fact that anyone can beat anyone else uh, on a certain Saturday or Tuesday in this season. They've done that this season. They've beaten some of the bigger teams. They've lost to some of the smaller teams. Um, but they are pretty much the watermark for this division. Um, but I'm sure Gareth Ainsworth will be going to the northwest, a place he knows very well, looking to get back to winning ways. No, absolutely. Hopefully uh, three points could be a real kind of turning point for the season and get back to, to, to winning and, and climbing back into the playoffs. Yeah, Wickham have tend to have gone on long runs. Gareth Ainsworth has, you know, he's had long winning and undefeated runs, and he's also had long runs of defeats and draws at the start of his career as well. So, hopefully, Saturday can be the start of one of those very long undefeated runs, which will see them probably have a really good opportunity to get in that top six and and stay there until the end of the season. And that's where momentum will be key as well, because if you are in the playoffs, then he needs to have that bit of momentum as well to go into those cup games. Great to speak to you. Uh, do enjoy the game on Saturday and uh, thanks a lot for your time. Well, my pleasure, Colin. Absolutely fine. Feeling more positive already. Uh, Phil there, of course, and uh, you can hear those interviews with Gareth in full, plus other great content, including building up to Accrington Stanley with David Wheeler and Sully Kaikai on Wanderers TV. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderer Show this week, without Bob, who's currently at 38,000 feet, uh, we'll be uh, getting uh, Luke's take on Wickham TV, uh, Wanderers TV even. It's not called Wickham TV. Uh, but <laughs> That's a rival station. Uh, but also, I don't know, could set one up. Uh, but also, we'll be finding out about the Wickham Wanderers sp- Supporters, uh, Disabled Supporters Association. Well, it's all going to pot now, I'm getting all the names wrong. Uh, that's coming up as well. Uh, plus, of course, uh, we'll uh, let you know what uh, Wickham Wanderers women are doing after their final league game of the season uh, was postponed at the weekend. After I think that was uh, mainly due to uh, the uh, the latest hurricane, well, storm. But first, with uh, big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association, our uh, regular look at uh, a former Wickham Wanderers player, and uh, we're heading back to the early two thousands around 21 years ago uh, when Darren Curry was uh, on the wing uh, signing for the club shortly after that fantastic FA Cup run getting to the semi-final uh, under manager Laurie Sanchez uh, something that Darren was uh, all too aware of Yeah, there was a lot of hype around the club at that time because of obviously their achievements in the FA Cup so, you know, being a football person I was I was caught up in it as well because it's, it's a nice fairy tale story and obviously I'd been having a, a, a reasonably good season at Barnet so I knew of uh, one or two bits of interest um, and, and Wickham being one of them and I had a, a, a ex-teammate and friend of mine Sean Devine who who was at the club at the time and spoke to him and 
he sung the club's praises and it just felt like a good fit. And my earliest memory, I suppose, is obviously meeting the lads. We had a had a great changing room there with a, a good blend of sort of young, inexperienced, if you like, and then and then your experienced boys in in sort of David Carroll and Keith Ryan, Steve Brown, Jason Cousins, Paul McCarthy, boys like that. So we had a good balance and and I think if I remember correctly, my my first friendly at Adams Park would have been against Tottenham in pre-season, and that, they, they brought a fairly strong squad. So it was all a, a, an exciting start for me at the club, and you know what what turned out to be a, a really enjoyable time in my career, and I love playing for the club. I mean, I guess as well, especially from your position, you must have thought when you arrived, I could do something a bit special here. Listen. <sighs> Without sounding overconfident, I was I was a confident player. I believed in what I could bring. I, I knew what I was good at, knew what I wasn't good at. And, you know, I, I, I would always back myself. It doesn't always play out how you, how you see it in your head, but I, I would always back myself to, to do well. And I don't know. It's it's a it's a fantastic club with some really good people on the inside. Family orientated made me feel very welcome. I felt very at home very quickly, and I think that allowed me to sort of get in my stride from day one. Really, are there any particular games that really stand out during your time there? Um, there's a, listen, any game that you you sort of win and you have a contribution in. I remember scoring in the FA Cup a, a, a left-footed chip. We took a quick free kick, and Paul Emblem played a a quick short free kick to me, and I'd, I'd already sort of prepared my shot because I see the keeper off his line. You know, so you get them moments where you know you score your goals and and you uh, and, and you maybe create. But, you know, from memory, I wouldn't be able to pick like one or two games, but I always enjoy playing at Adams Park on, on, a, on a night game. Uh, there's always something special about playing there under the lights on a, on a Tuesday night and, you know, a little bit of drizzle on the pitch, fans behind the goals and, and you know, it just there's something special about it. I, lo- I really enjoyed my time there and there were some great lads there that I'm still very friendly with as well, so... Really fond memories of, of my time there. And you had a great relationship with the fans as well, of course. Yeah, and you know what? I get asked that even even now as a coach, assistant manager. I try to build that relationship with fans. I think they're crucial to every club. Um, I like having a rapport with them. I like having... Listen, you get a bit, little bit of stick along the way, but that's that's football. You've got to be man enough to, to ride the storm and, and take a little bit of stick, but... The adulation you can get sometimes, and the relationship you can build with fans, and so there's nothing better than scoring, creating a goal, winning a game, and seeing the excitement on fans' faces, and it just gives you all a nice feeling. So, my relationship with the fans there was was very good, um, excellent, in fact. And you know, it's always nice when I go back now as an ex-player and see people and. And, and have a conversation. But no, I had a, I had a really good time there with the, with the fans. And obviously you played under many different managers in your career. Uh, what, what was it like playing under uh, the likes of Laurie Sanchez, John Gorman for a short time, and then when Tony Adams came in as well? Yeah, listen, I've got a lot of time for Laurie. He's the one that signed me. All quite different characters. Laurie, Laurie was a, a, a very different character um, to others. But, you know, every, every manager's different. They have their way. He was very driven and, and, and wanted to be successful and... You know, it can be hard at times as well, but there's 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 no harm in that at all. So very grateful to him and Terry Gibson for for signing me and giving me the chance at the club. 
John Gorman, who I, I love to bits, was a real football man, wonderful personality, really warm guy that you can't help but sort of fall in love with. Wanted the purest of football played. And, you know, it was it was great playing under him. And then Tony, not everyone's cup of tea, didn't really sort of, didn't really build many relationships with with players at the club it was a it was a difficult period under him for for me personally and 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 obviously you know one or two things had, had been said that just made the relationship difficult but listen you can't you can't get it right all the time but it, it i don't I, I don't look back on that and and it tarnish any sort of feelings towards the club that's that, that's how football goes sometimes but can, I can't keep stressing enough how, how much I loved it at the club. You mentioned some of the things that, that you think are so special about it, how it's a family-orientated club, but brilliant. They, you know, you got to make over 100 appearances. That must be a great sort of source of pride for you as you look back on your career. Yeah, you know, and obviously we, we, we suffered a little bit while I was there as well, but, you know, when I when I look back and, like I say, I can only stress out how, how much I enjoyed playing there and football can take you on these roller coaster journeys at, at times and, it's maybe only really afterwards if if most ex players are honest with themselves it's only it's only afterwards that you when you reflect a little bit and you look back and you go do you know what you know what a, what a great club that was not that i didn't appreciate it at the time but it's only after when you flick through your career and you go God, i really enjoyed my time there so now it's a, it's a great club and, and and like i say it's i don't get back as much as i'd like if i'm being honest because obviously with with my work and but it's always it's always a pleasure going back there. Football does seem like that, doesn't it? Really special. I guess sport in general as well, because, you know, I couldn't imagine if you're quite big in finance, we would we'd be chatting today and, and saying, oh, do you remember that uh, balance sheet you did 20 years ago? That was that was fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and that's what football does. We all love it. We all ride the emotion of it. We all think we've got the answers to every scenario. We all think we can play, can manage, can coach. I wouldn't have done that. I'd have done it that way. And, you, you know, we all... And this is the thing about now I'm, I'm coaching. It's, you know, when, you, when you're coaching and you, you really believe in what you're saying and your philosophy and what have you, and then I'll come home and I'll watch an England game, for example, and I sit here as just a fan, you know, and we're all guilty of it, thinking, well, I would have picked that team and I'd have done And, and that's what happens. We all get caught up in it and I, and I love it. I, I enjoy the, certainly now on this side as, as the coach, you know, the, the, the 90 minutes, you're only ever 90 minutes away from being a genius or a bloody idiot who don't know what he's doing. You know, you're either tactically aware or you ain't got a clue. So it's always that fine line, but we all get wrapped up in it. And, and that's why we're all so emotionally attached to it. And I'm, and, and I'll never lose that because of my love for the game. I'll never, I'll never lose that. And, but what you have to be is, is fairly thick skinned and you have to accept that at some point, as a player and as a coach and a manager, you, you criticism comes your way and you have to ride through it and, and believe in yourself and come out the other side. And, and that's, that's whether you're a player or a, or a manager or a coach. So I think it's easy to forget, isn't it? As, as fans, you think, you know, players and managers, they're obviously fans as well, which is why they love the game so much and are in it in the first place. Well, we want to win. Everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to go home happy on a Tuesday or a Saturday. Everyone wants to have that feeling where... You know, we, we've got three points on the board, and we're looking forward to the next game. And that's why we're all in. That's why we're all in it. But certainly, on 
you can impact the game as a player, obviously, with something you can do with a ball or decisions you can make while you're on the pitch. And obviously, you can make an impact as a, a manager and a, a coach on the sideline from a tactical point of view. But, you know, a lot of your best work is done Monday to Friday and you hope it just plays out. I say hope, but, you you know, you hope it plays out in the, in the game and you see, you, I mean, I take a lot of, satisfaction from not only winning but the detail that you might give an individual or or, or a unit or, or the team itself and then that that information plays out in the game that's the that's the bit that you you get your satisfaction from when you're on this side of the fence but obviously when you when you're on the pitch yourself you can you can make huge differences with goals and assists etc but it's just a love for the game that for me, I'll, I, I know for a fact I'll never lose. I think as well, it's really nice as fans as well to keep an eye on players who've, who've done really well at a club like Wickham and see you know what they go on to do. And obviously, you went to, to Brighton afterwards and, and played at Ipswich and, and Luton and, and a number of other clubs as well. But I guess the sort of the transition to management as well when during your time at, at Dagenham Redbridge as, as a caretaker, and then and then obviously moving on to, to Barnet as well, where you enjoyed great success, especially obviously in that, in that cup game against Sheffield United. Yeah, I, listen, I, I knew it was always the path I wanted to go down. So I made a sort of conscious effort in my early 30s when I signed up at Chesterfield that I would start my coaching qualifications. And But I'd always been very opinionated on the game and, and the technical side of it and the tactical, obviously, side of it. You know, it was it, I always had an opinion on how how I thought the game should be played and could be played. So I knew it was a path I always wanted to go down and, you know, certainly when I started to, I would say more likely when, when I come back down from Chesterfield and I ended up at, uh, at Dagenham and Redbridge, it was from then on that I really started to try to make an impact with the younger players and players around me. I, like I say, I'd always had an opinion, but it was really there where I knew I wasn't going to play as regular because number of reasons but quite possibly just because of my age I was mid-30s then um, so it was about how I could influence others and that's where the, the sort of the bug really started that I knew I wanted to do it but I, I now believed I could do it and so going into coaching and management and and, and being a leader from the dugout was, was, was always going to be my path and you know, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed. I, I had some good times at Dagenham on the on the coaching side of things as assistant manager. A very very brief spell as a caretaker, but Barnet really got me sort of got me taste buds going with with management. And obviously, we had the cup runs and got in the playoffs and whatever. And and then I found it. I, I found it tough when I when I when I left Barnet. You know, I, I got offered a new contract that I wasn't satisfied with I didn't think it was reflected the work that I'd done so I left the club and I found myself out of the game and ended up at Sheffield United taking the under 23s which was a great experience but I thought listen I was I was hopeful that I would get another opportunity sooner and quicker than I did it didn't quite materialize that way and now I find myself uh, as assistant manager at, at South End but 
all great experiences. I'm still extremely ambitious and I, I just love being on the grass trying to help players improve and get better. I was going to say, there must be so much of your experiences of a player and the different clubs that, that you've worked at as a coach and a manager that you can bring to, to, to any team, but especially obviously Southend at the moment. It's it's the understanding of the game. It's 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 the emotion of the game, you know, where you go through your good spells and your bad spells. It's You can help younger players and you can help inexperienced players that are at the early parts of their career with not only guiding them on the pitch from a tactical point of view, but you can help them emotionally um, off the pitch and help them understand it. I, I'm, I'm very big, very big on relationships with players. It's important. I've been there. I've, I've done it. And, you know, now I want to, I want to be someone that I can, that can help players on their journey. And sometimes you have to be harsh and constructively critical and, but there's 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 a way of doing it that that can be helpful and productive for players and 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 I that that's the side of it that I enjoy as well alongside obviously all the work that gets done on the grass. It sounds like from speaking to you, it's been quite a sort of natural progression for you to go from from a player to to the coaching and management side. I, it, it probably stems from just having such a strong opinion on the game. I just it's just how I I see it. I, I don't sit here and believe that everything I say is right or factual but it's the way I see it and you know I'm very open to say to a player for example uh, something tactical and then come back at me and say well I, I I don't agree or what about this it's it's never my way or the highway I'm not that type of coach but you know I have a strong belief in how the game should be played and can be played and I think the best thing I think what you have to do as a coach to create that buy-in situation, I need to give information that will play out in the game as as often and as frequently as possible, and then they start to naturally believe in what you're saying makes sense. If you if you keep saying something and it never happens, they'll start thinking you ain't got a clue what you're on about. So it's important you give them information that that they can buy into, and then the more you help them and encourage them the more they'll buy into what you're saying so it's that side of the game now that that is my real focus and and the side that I really enjoy and as a former player and someone who obviously has a lot of affection for the club I'm guessing that you still still look out for their results and how they're doing now I do yeah I do and obviously they've difficult result last night for the boys but you know Gareth's done a terrific job and that they've been through they've been through so much under him and He's rode many a storm with them and taken them to some real heights. And, you know, watching them play in the championship is just a shame. Obviously, the fans couldn't be there. But no, I, I, I think they're in in a good position at the minute in the league that will hopefully give them an opportunity to have a strong finish to the season and, and make the playoffs. And the Ex-Players Association is so special as well. Obviously, uh, you can get together with, with other players from different eras and share stories and experiences too. Yeah, and and do you know what? I, I, there's been one or two clubs. I mean, Ipswich springs to mind as well, very similar to Wickham. But you know, you, you you when you go back to any event, and like I say, I don't go. I haven't been back as often as I would like. But whenever you go back to any event, there's always players, like a whole history of players that have represented the club that are, that are back in the building, and that is that's a testament to the club itself because. 
you know, it's a it's it's got good people there and everyone wants to still be affiliated to the club. So, you know, I've got some very good friends that I'm still that I played with at the club, still speak regular to Roger Johnson, Danny Sender, Steve Brown, Keith Ryan, you know, all these all these boys that we played together with, you know, there's there's been some really good people over the years that are representing the club and it's always nice to catch up with them. And just finally, how do you reflect on your time overall at the club? Yeah, pr- listen, without a doubt, not as successful as I wanted to have been. I would love to have been in a team that, that got promoted or, you know, like, like the year before I signed when they had that great cup run, you know. So uh, f- from that point of view, I look back with a little bit of frustration, but in terms of pulling on the shirt and and playing in front of the fans and enjoying representing the club, then then really fond memories. But I just I, I just probably wish I could have been a bit more successful with the club. Really enjoyed speaking to Darren, and uh, I remember actually uh, there was one occasion, wasn't there, where he dyed his hair red for reasons which will become apparent. Uh, big thanks again to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association. Uh, another uh, former Wanderer next week online on Radio Player and on one hundred six point six FM. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderers show. We'll be catching up with our uh, Wanderers TV reviewer, Luke, in a few moments' time. Uh, we'll also bring you news of Wickham Wanderers women. They were due to play uh, their final uh, home, uh, their final league game of the season on Sunday against Winchester Flyers, but it was postponed due to uh, the storm. Uh, they've got uh, the first knockout uh, round game away to AFC Stoneham uh, on Sunday. Uh, that's in the Chairman's Cup competition. And we'll be catching up with uh, Dave Ward in a later edition of the show to uh, review their season as well. So uh, a big hello to uh, Wickham Wanderers win. Hello! <laughs> and uh, as I say, we'll be uh, catching up with their progress. But uh, you might have heard that the uh, Wickham Wanderers Disabled Supporters Association have got uh, a fantastic initiative uh, at uh, being launched at the club. I found out from Peter Lerner a bit of a potted history about them, first of all. Well, it's not a very long history. Um, it started almost exactly a year ago when the Wickham Wanderers Trust, who are still 25% owners of the football club, took on a community plan. And the community plan talked about welcoming anybody and everybody to Adams Park uh, to enjoy football. We're very conscious that the, the average football supporter, I suppose, of Wickham Wanderers and many other clubs is probably a middle-aged white male uh, of a certain type, a bit like myself, really. And we thought, well, we need to spread the enjoyment of football at Adams Park around to everybody. And we were looking at the people who enjoy football, and we we knew that we had a group of supporters with disabilities who were, by and large, remembered when when convenient and not remembered when not convenient. So we thought, well, we, we need to do something to support those supporters and formed a Disabled Supporters Association which looks after the interests of those supporters. And we've had a cracking time. First thing we did is we went on a walkabout and rideabout in wheelchairs the stadium and we went around the whole stadium and looked at all the bits and pieces, everything possible that could be improved. If you're visually impaired, what's the signage like? Uh, can it be seen by somebody who can't see very well? If you're going around in a wheelchair, are the potholes, do, are the places where ramps are needed to get up and down curbs? 
And we found there were all sorts of things which needed to be improved. So gradually, we've been working very closely with the football club and with the trust, and we've been improving Adams Park for people with disabilities. And also having some fun, because we've organised special coaches, and we've started going to away football matches, and the coach trip to away matches is great. We get a great welcome, and people enjoy themselves. So, so that's good. I can't count the number of different disabilities that our fans have because a lot of people are very quiet about what particular disability they might have and don't particularly want to say. But if they have a disability and want to join our Disabled Supporters Association and have their say, that's absolutely great. So that's a bit of a long-potted history, but that's to set the scene. No, definitely, and it's really encouraging, isn't it, for any fan who might feel a bit nervous about coming along to a game because of something which you know they may feel could be holding them back, but that there is provision at the ground for them. That's absolutely so. Um, there's an experiment which we tried last week. We know that a few of our supporters, and I don't know how many, are on the autistic spectrum, and some people with autism find it actually quite difficult moving about in unfamiliar places where there are crowds of people, and we dedicated a room and a space at the last but one home match, that was last Saturday, for a couple of people who suffer from autism to see if that was a good space for them and if that could be improved upon. So, uh, yes, we, there are all sorts of different conditions which people have which make, it, which make things quite difficult for them. Let's try and ease the path, recognise um, their individual needs and make them happy at Adams Park, even if the football doesn't always go our way. <laughs> no, you don't have much control over that, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I saw that you had a meeting this week as well with some special guests. We had a brilliant meeting on Monday evening. The club were kind enough to provide us with Dave Waits, who is the head of sports science, and he brought with him two of the younger players from the development squad. We had Jack Young, who's on loan from Newcastle, who's a great lad, and we had um, Ali al Hamadi, who is one of our newest signings, who was absolutely fantastic. For a young man, 19 or 20 years old, he has the maturity of somebody much older, and he went around chatting to all of our disabled members about their disabilities, asking them what it felt like. Both of them are absolutely brilliant club ambassadors, so our members were well pleased about that. Sounds a fantastic opportunity for them to kind of really be inspirational as well, and perhaps be inspired by, obviously, their members of the association as well. I think that's right, and I think that um, both of them said at the end that they'd learnt quite a lot from coming along and, and interacting, and our members were certainly really pleased to meet them. So tell us a bit more about this, this new service, because I guess it's been done before in the past with Hospital Radio. I know that they provided commentary, but this seems a bit more sort of technologically advanced and really caters for a, a wider audience, if you like. Well, it, it's, it's being done in two stages. Again, it's difficult to know how many people with visual impairment either completely blind or partially sighted, come to Wickham Wanderers because people don't tend to tell you, they don't queue up and, in a queue and say this is who we are. So it's a question of finding out, but we know there are one or two people who would appreciate having some, um, some aid to, to discovering what's happening at the, at the ground. If you can't see very well, but you enjoy the atmosphere of a football match, you'll pick up on the cheers and the boos and the um, excitement but you won't necessarily know everything that's happening unless somebody tells you. We know that there are some people who come on their own to football matches, and we thought it would be really good to provide them with a commentary on the football match in their ears. So um, we've provided, as a starter, some 
nice small radios with earphones and earpieces which they can wear in a lanyard and listen to a live commentary of the match while it's taking place. So they can sense what's going on and they can hear the commentary and they can see what they can see and it makes the experience very much better. I think it's going to be good and if we have enough demand for this we can move on to the next stage which is using our wonderful Wickham Wanderers Wi-Fi to provide an even better service. But stage one is using the radios with headphones. It sounds a great opportunity, as you say, for anyone who's, who's visually impaired and may, you know, may miss out on things with, you know, sort of goal mouth action or corners or, you know, things that are happening at the other end of the pitch to, to where they might be and, and, or even things that they might miss. Well, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and here I can say that, that my own son, Nick, is... Uh, partially sighted, you, you would never know that if you met him, but he is, and he and I have been g- coming to Wickham Wanderers ever since he was about seven, and he would say to me, this, that, and the other, he'd say, who's taking that corner I can't quite see? And so I was almost acting as the, uh, as the Wickham Wanderers radio and saying, oh, well, it's, no, it's Darren Curry, as it was in those days. Yeah. Uh, you must be you, um, well hopefully you'll get some, some brilliant feedback as well from people as to how it really um, it enhances their match day experience too. Well, that's, that's the whole idea. And when we do get feedback about anything, it's, um, it's absolutely superb. J- just to mention, we were playing um, Wigan Athletic on Tuesday. The result didn't go very well our way. But we had a wonderful email in from a, a, a Wigan supporter saying, my son is in a wheelchair, he came to the match, and your stewards brought him a lovely warm blanket to keep him warm. That's one of the nicest things that's happened. And that's good. We're, we're learning as a club to look after people, which is fantastic. Which is great, because it's not just the home fans that you sort of represent and look after. We look after the away fans as well. There's quite a good network of disabled supporters associations for football clubs through the country, and we're part of that network. In fact, I'll let you into a secret. We're part of the Championship Football Clubs Network, even though we're not quite in the Championship. The hosts of that network are Swansea City, and there's a very nice woman called Kath who runs it, and she wrote to me and said, well, you should be in the championship. You were, you were cheated a bit last year. You join our group anyway. So we're in the championship as far as disabled supporters are concerned. That's fantastic. That might be really useful when we return as well. Yeah. <laughs> so are there any other sort of activities that you've got coming up or any plans that you can tell us about in the, in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, well, we've, we've got a coach trip coming up to AFC Wimbledon, uh, we, we can't go to every match. There are good reasons. Sometimes, because we have at least five people who come along in wheelchairs, and we have a specially converted coach, but sometimes the coaches can't park anywhere near the ground for logistical reasons at various places. So we don't tend to go to those as a group because people would be quite disappointed. One or two clubs, and I'll name no names, don't cater for disabled supporters particularly well. And again, we don't want disappointment. But we've got a trip coming up to AFC Wimbledon. They have a brand new stadium, and we're really looking forward to that. The coach is almost full, but not quite full already, and it's six weeks or so to go. So that will be great fun. So how can people find out more about the Disabled Supporters Association? Uh, It's dead easy. It couldn't be easier. If they want to email me at, and it's a really simple email address, dsa at wwfc.com, couldn't be simpler. 
Peter Lerner from the Wickham Wanderers Disabled Supporters Association speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. In other news, you might have heard today, uh, the club have confirmed that the League One fixture against Fleetwood, which was due to take place on Saturday 26th of March, is now being played on Tuesday at the 15th at 7.45. The original date for the game at Adams Park uh, falls on International Weekend and the EFL have agreed that the switch uh, can take place on the basis that Fleetwood expect to receive three or more call-ups, which would have required the match to be moved and are eager to avoid a potential fixture backlog in April. Very pleased to say Producer Luke is with us. Hello, I think you forgot the most important news. The, the Boxing Day game is now the Mardi Gras game. Oh, yes. Yeah, bring on the fireworks. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, good time for them, it'll be dark outside. Yes, yeah. a couple of games against Cambridge coming up, that's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, we've got you on because uh, you, you were a guinea pig, if that's the right <laughs> word, for Wand- Wanderers TV. Yes, uh, I watched the Tuesday night game and enjoyed some of it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it was very good. Um, the the quality of it, the um, the sort of the audio, and obviously the, the no latency, which is what you want from a, a game. Um, the the commentary was very good uh, <laughs> from someone called Phil Catchpole. You've probably heard of him. And Nick Freeman. Uh, as well. And Nick Freeman, he was really really good. Phil's been mentioning how good it is to have him next to him, so you get that insight into the club and and how they train and you know things that they are they're taught. So don't get is, fit, Nick. Don't get fit. Don't get no. Stay stay injured, Nick. It's fine. No. Please do get better, and he is getting better as well. Um, but yeah, it's just really good to have both of them. You know, Phil's insights to the club is you know, if Phil doesn't know it, then there's, there's no point knowing it. Um, and then obviously Nick's insight is really, really good. And the whole Wanderers TV setup is is really easy as well. Um, all I would say is don't leave it till like ten minutes before the game starts to sign up, as I did because you don't want to rush, you don't want to miss any of it, do you? And you don't just get the match content either. No, so you get everything that's around that match, so you get the pre-match stuff, you get the uh, the words from Gareth afterwards as well, and then you get the full commentary stuff as well. So it's uh, it's it's all good for, for £10 for the video ones, uh, anything that's not a Saturday you can watch, um, and then on a Saturday just in the UK you can listen uh, to the commentary from, from uh, Phil and Nick Freeman, sometimes other people as well, Ryan or Alicia as well. It's a really great innovation for the club, and they must be so pleased with how well Wanderers TV is going, and also that the website as a whole. Yeah, especially as they as they launched it halfway through a season as well, uh, which I think that Matt and Phil has alluded to, which wasn't the best idea, but it's all worked, so it's all good. Um, and I know both of them have got some um, some really interesting plans uh, for for the new season as well, coming up with with what they can do with Wanderers TV. And really interesting as well. Peter was saying how you know they're hoping to link up with the the Wi-Fi at the club as well to, to enhance that facility too. Yeah, they've they've got the the, uh, the all quarters, I think is what it's called, which is going to be basically a, a single sign-on for everything Wickham Wanderers. Um, again, that's going to make things so much easier if you're buying tickets, Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's that's going to make life so much easier. Absolutely. Talking of technology, uh, sort of, uh, you were in the, uh, the the crash for the uh, the match, yes. <laughs> match build up on Saturday. The Caledonian Sweet Crash, which I didn't <laughs> know was there. Uh, it turns out it's actually I buy. I, we think Gareth Ainsworth band practice room because uh, there was a drum kit in there. So that's where I, that's what I that's what I think it would is is actually used for. Also, be great for a studio in there. Yeah, just, just say. Handy if there are storms as well. In <laughs> yeah, bro- very handy. Broadcast, Storm uh, protection. Indoors when... Uh, so, yeah, so we've got Tuesday uh, at Adams Park. Uh, very much looking forward to that for the Mardi Gras game against Cambridge. Next in action, of course, on Saturday uh, against Accrington Stanley. Uh, it was the first game of the season, as mentioned a little earlier on. A 2-1 win at home there. Gareth McCleary getting both those goals on that day. Accrington have lost 2-0 in both their games as well. So hopefully that will... Uh, that'll continue for them and uh, all the best for uh, hopefully three points uh, for Wickham to bring back uh, we usually allow the uh, the last words for Bob uh, as he's 38,000 feet up <laughs> or, or currently landing mm. I think uh, over to you uh, up the wick
You've got time for more. If oh, you want. and buy dog leads from the shop. <laughs> uh, what else would say, Bob? Come on, come on, you blues. Come on, chair boys, and uh, say flights to Bob. <laughs>